The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to episode 102 of the Love in Action podcast, the show where we explore the intersection of leadership and practical love. Glad you've joined the movement. We're now heard in over 150 countries, and we'd love it if you could share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so I know you've been in this place because, well, this happened to me a few weeks ago. I'm at a friend's house and we were invited over for some cocktails and they have guests over from out of town. And then this happens. The conversation that we were having takes a turn for the worse. When somebody brings up the, the capital insurrection and well, because if you're going to bring that up, now you're bringing up Trump and now politics and race and conspiracies and just about everything that has happened in the last 13 months. And so the dynamics of this conversation somehow sabotaged an evening that had a really good start with friends getting to know each other. Well, some of the people in the room that night are no longer friends because the topics brought up were so personal and divisive that they could not recover from it. What do we do when we're faced with these contentious conversations? I mean, where race and religion, gender, sexuality, and certainly politics is brought up. You've been there, right? I mean, it's hard to know what to say sometimes without coming across like you're going to put up your boxing gloves. It's hard to even know how to respond to someone you disagree with and not let it escalate to a boiling point because so often there are such strong emotions that come with these conversations. Well, let me tell you, anytime a book comes across my desk that addresses these very issues, I mean, I cannot get the authors here fast enough because we need these discussions to happen. We need these books that gives us these tools to manage how to effectively deal with these conversations. So today, Kimberly Lowe joins us to discuss a book she co-authored last year called Compassionate Conversations, How to Speak and Listen from the Heart. This book has been called the definitive guide to learning effective strategies for engaging in open and honest conversations about divisive issues. Kimberly Lowe is about as qualified as they come in her field of expertise. She is a conflict resolution and negotiation specialist and a leadership coach. Her past work includes peace building and mediation research for the United Nations, advocacy for international NGOs and academic institutions, and international arbitration and litigation work as a lawyer in London and Singapore. Her work now centers on serving conscious leaders to up-level their human relationships and harness the true power of their teams. And it's an honor to have you, Kim, join us. Welcome 
to the Love in Action podcast. Hi, Marcel. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I want to start in, in a traditional way. We always do this now. And that is to kind of get our listeners to know you what your why is. So maybe in a couple of minutes, can you share your story about how you arrived at this point? What is your purpose, your why? Mm. Okay, so maybe one thing that I can share about where I'm coming from that might be helpful is that I grew up very much between cultures. I was born in the UK. My parents were from multiple generations in Malaysia, but of Chinese sort of um, ethnic heritage. And moving around back and forth from Asia to the UK and other places in the world, I felt so much curiosity growing up. Like, how do we, how do we understand one another? Because we're obviously such a tremendous variety. We are diverse. We are fabulously diverse and challengingly diverse. And, and I got curious about how we coexist when points between us get frictious. And then in a, in a personal way, my, my parents divorced when I was growing up. A conflict became intimate. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that I have a background as a lawyer. I thought in the past that I was entering into this as wanting to carry the flag for the change that I wanted to see, a bit more of an advocate, a challenger, an eight Enneagram or something, you know, um, that energy. And and soon when I got closer to the conflict, I realized that how I want to stand in it actually is a choice. And mm. it's not for me about taking up one side, but actually finding the through line where we realize that both sides carry some piece of the truth. And really, so it became, you can tell my language, it's going towards the conceptual, the philosophic, the spiritual for me. And this culminated in me going to do a master's in conflict resolution, but also carrying with me this question of how can I incorporate the wholeness of who I am? And that does include how I conceive of consciousness, maybe, let's say. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to get into the the part about sort of our current reality in the world of why we're so divided. But let's start from the top. I wanted to bring in a, a term that you use in, in the, for I think it's the first chapter, and I didn't realize this, that difference equals threat. And so mm-hmm. for you might sit down already with a preconceived idea in having a conversation that someone across the table is not of my view, and that is a direct threat to my existence. And uh, that's fascinating to me. I don't know if anyone unpacked that for us, because Mm -hmm. uh, that to me is a really good starting point to understand, wow, that I'm feeling threatened by somebody that that may sound different, look different, or believe a different way than I do. Yeah, so it's a really important point to look at, I think. We take the view that this whole enterprise, this whole universe, all of this, us, all the bacteria, everything, the stars, this is all some incredible unfolding of sameness and difference. These are like these fundamental dualities and difference. So both can have too much or too little. So we, in a way, we're keeping balance with these things and learning how to be with both. How do we cultivate and be with both? Difference you know, shouldn't be thrown out altogether. We, the truth is we are diverse. And difference in, the, in a good measure is exciting, it's stimulating, it's creative, it's generative, gives us energy. But when 
through the constellation of however it's arising, for whatever reason, our own limitations, we can't quite accommodate what's happening. We're likely to conceive of it as a threat. And this is something that then will close down in a way, some of our mental options for processing how to be with this difference, because we'll revert, once we perceive it to be a threat, it's going to kick into that fight or flight, cortisol sort of like surrounded our amygdala hijacked territory where we don't have free choice Mm. to look at the person in front of us and include their story and their history and values. You know, then we're triggered. And really learning how to recalibrate what's in us at that time is what allows us to regulate back to a place where the difference becomes more manageable. We have more spaciousness again. I love it. I Man, it is, that is so good to me because when you raise your awareness to know when you're being threatened by something that's real or perceived in your mind that, like you said, it's about to hijack your brain, part of your brain into fight or flight. At that point, if you do something about it, then now you can create the space for managing conflict and having more more peaceful resolution. So maybe from here, let's talk about, because we already know that conflict exists and there's going to be division. Let's talk about what needs to happen if we if we want to be better at reducing conflict and divisiveness. And I think for people listening to this podcast, that's the majority of people. Those that don't want, those that want to stay with, uh, no, I want to be right. And only my belief system counts. Okay. They're not going to be listening to this, this show probably. So let's talk about some strategies, some techniques that are covered in the book about how to reduce conflict and divisiveness. Now, in my notes, I wrote a couple, but I'm curious what you have in mind. Cause if you don't, if you don't cover it, I'm going to prompt you to uh, talk about a couple of these. Okay, sure. I think I would just say as like an opening bid that it starts with us. Really, our own lives can be the playground or the training ground in which we practice these things or get curious about where we could be developing. It occurs to me that it's these concentric widening circles. So I really do think that when we can become a model of it ourselves, the potential for influence is just beyond our imagination. So I do think it starts with us. And I think that's part of the conflict resolution mentality is just having this awareness that I have a role to play in this. I am part of the co-creation of this conflict. And therefore, let me take a really good look at myself, self-awareness, because I have to take responsibility for this first before I can begin analyzing too much about what needs to change out there. That's really the self-responsible approach. And I'm really, you know, I'm really glad to be able to have opportunities to come to spaces like this where people are listening. And I know, like, we're trying to learn together here. That's exciting for me. That's, that's cultural change when it's our social development. So strategies, tactics. I think the one thing that it may not be like the sexy neurohacker answer, but just like straight up mindfulness practice, learning to meditate. And having the humility to go back to basics over and over again to learn how to sit in stillness because that's the place from which we can have the clearest view, I believe, of what's happening in ourselves and outside of us, what we perceive to be happening with the other. Mm. All of Mm. that's going to be influenced by our ability to clean our own mirror, so to speak. Mm. So I think that's, that's a starting point. And in the book, 
No, it's, it's, you know, it's not so much a book on how to, how to meditate, but we do queue up a lot of reflective exercises that will ask the reader to maybe pause, put down their default story and explore what's happening from another entrance point. Maybe it's about starting with the emotion. If we're experiencing strong emotions, learning how to process that and look for the wisdom in what we're feeling, but letting go of the energy, which might not be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So here's one that, and I'm wondering if this falls in with kind of letting go of that negative energy is to talk about what you and the other person have in common. Because right now, we're coming into a conversation with raised fists, knowing that that person is red and I'm blue. But what if we just focus more on what we have in common, maybe in the purple? <laughs> you want to touch on that? Yeah, it's a really important thing to remember. And it sort of harks back to what I was saying before about the, you know, sameness and difference. It's like both ends of the spectrum. Reminding ourselves of what we have in common is actually going to deepen that trust so that when we get into the territory of difference, there's like this deeper sameness that's kind of holding us. And so if we don't have much sameness, we can't actually go very deep into difference because it's going to tip over into that threat really quickly. But learning to cultivate sameness might look like me stilling myself and really allowing myself to be present to what is whatever it is that you're sharing with me. Maybe it's an opinion about about something. Maybe it's about how you feel. Maybe it's about a personal experience. I can join you there by dropping my 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 sense of who I am and what are my objections to that and yeah. you know what are my responses based on my you know it's like dropping all of that breathing listening to my whole body and finding a sense of sameness yeah yeah tell me if this is true if you come into that space with the mindset of finding sameness in the conversation so you start with what you have in common I wonder if as you release that that negative emotional energy, does that now open us up when we feel safe about the other person? Does that now open us up to explore our differences so now we're not triggered? Is that valid? I think it can be, yeah. I think something we said in the book was like, all conversations about differences should begin with what we have and end with what we have in common. Yeah. I love the fact that you guys talk about these guiding principles, these, um, I think you call them ground rules for when you're in that state of uh, these divisive conversations that are now causing some anxiety pro provocation, right? Then you want to kick into these, can I call them, I don't know, strategies, I guess, to eliminate the division. And I want to ask you to walk us through a few of these and I'm going to just uh, throw them out at you and then just unpack unpack them as, as I give them to you. So the first one is, again, I'm setting us up. So ground rules for anxiety provoking or divisive conversations. There's a good headline right there. Okay, what do you do when that happens? So the first one is be for each other. Yeah, being for each other, it means to be for each other's humanity, to be for each other's well-being, to hope for the fulfillment of each other's karmas and dharmas in this, in this lifetime for things to... It's like to really wish for someone else's well-being and for them to, you know, to support their own relationship to the truth. It really helps us before we get too stuck into differences, which can, as you say, become divisive. It's just a bedrock of goodwill. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The next one is so, 
common sense, Kim, but it's it's not common practice, and that's reflective listening. You know, we I talk about listening all the time, but reflective listening is a new concept for a lot of people. Yeah. I believe that a lot of conflict can be smoothened and like kind of calmed, de-escalated early through gaining more clarity around what we're saying, having the patience to take that slow before jumping. Because there's so many assumptions that we make about what the other person means, where they're coming from. You know, I'm sure we all know that. Um, So reflective listening means when you offer me something, instead of me just retorting with like how I want to respond, it's saying like, hold up. Can I just check I heard you right? This is what I heard you say. Correct me if I'm wrong. I heard you say this, why this. It seems like this emotion seems to be present for you. Am I reading this right? You know, give them, give the speaker a chance to confirm. That's great. And it's so relieving to the speaker to be like, oh, phew, I've been heard. I've been understood. Right. Fundamentally, we all want that. Yeah, because what happens if you don't, then you're running in your mind. You may make an assumption and you know what they say about assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that starts that that whole process of, oh, okay, misinterpretation misinter- in my head of what he or she meant, which now is releasing that anxiety. The cortisol starts to kick in and, and you go down that path that we just talked about, the fight or flight. This is really really good stuff that we, I mean, that we can learn this stuff to stop the madness from happening. The other one is talk straight. What is that? So talk straight means to express what is true for me or what I want to share with a sense, it's like a sense of cleanliness, like it's direct. It's not clouded by judgments, passive aggressive comments, you know, my own fury that makes it hard for people to listen to. It's like kind of cleaning up the act a little bit. And it's about courage because many of us are conflict avoidant because we didn't have such good experiences when we were young with like how things unfold when people are disagreeing. And so we might be afraid like to say what I really mean because we don't want to start a conflict. We're afraid of like, you know, how to process that. Maybe it means a real, you know, disagreement um, with someone. So it's about having the courage to say what's true for me and then also having the courage to deal with the feedback with how the other person responds, because that might be the reason why I'm hiding it. Yeah. And, you know, when I said talk straight, what is that? We all know what talk straight is, but a lot of people may hear me saying talk straight. What is that, Kim? And you automatically assume that it's it's telling it like it is and, and kind of being right. a jerk about it. And right. what you're saying is it's sort of like it's more of the authenticity space that comes from the heart, which you said already that it takes courage, the emotional courage to be able to speak from the heart and talk straight in good will, in good fashion, you know, not with ill will, but the intent here is a positive intent. Yeah, just to add really quickly to both listen well and talk straight is that done well, they both should create more freedom in the system. We are plagued by the things that we don't know how to say, is my belief. We carry it around like a weight. And actually having more truthfulness in our relationships is good for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the the next one, and again, under the header of the ground rules for anxiety-provoking or divisive conversations, this is a tough one, Cam, is is offer praise. Why would we want to offer praise? So... Our brains have an inbuilt sort of negativity bias. I can sort of summarize as it's like we're, what is it? We're Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for good ones or something. You know, it's just like we record the pain and the threats because we're trying to stay alive. It's just who we are as animals. So offering praise is like bolstering and in 
putting our intention on what's going right, you know, and offering that back to each other. And it's really helpful when we can be specific. If I can just tell you not just like, you're wonderful, Marcel, but it's like, what did you really do that I appreciated? Or how are you being that I appreciate? And when I'm specific, it actually helps that goodwill part again. Yeah. Well, I love it. These are tools, gang, that if you're listening, please grab this book because it's full of gems that will help us to actually manage conflict. Literally, I mean, apply the principles and conversations will drastically change. So I want to ask you one more. There's a whole section, I think, a chapter on uh, becoming more wholehearted. Mm-hmm. Explain the wholehearted principle, maybe even talk about the heart's intelligence. I People don't know that, that our heart actually has intelligence. So becoming wholehearted, that, that chapter really is including that our hearts are like this kind of energetic center of who we are. And in our culture at this time, we're extremely cognitively focused. You know, we're incredibly developed in this world of like communication, ideas, and like it's kind of electric. But actually the heart is what will allow us to make sense of and metabolize and make peace with many things that our mind cannot. So it's like we can, I totally respect, I'm grateful for my mind, and I can also acknowledge where it's not going to help me. Or if anything, some of its activity can make it more challenging. Because when I look into the world and I, I recognize that conflict is this incredibly destructive force, you know, some of my research brought me closer to, you know, to the wars and the injustices and the incredible atrocities that have been committed, you know, in many people's plights for what they think is right. So and my, how can my mind ever really reconcile, like, the amount of death and loss and grief and the truth that, that you know, we're, we're all subject to that? Like, in this, you know, none of us can really escape death. Like, this is part of our life. Mm. The heart is what will help us in those times where the mind cannot answer those questions. Yeah. And to this, to this point of uh, the heart's intelligence, there's a, there's a lot of things. It's really exciting, actually, now the research that's being done into the more subtle dimensions of, of who we are as beings. Um, you know, tracking people in states of meditation, tracking people in states of ex- expansiveness and knowing that like practicing those states will create traits. Like we can actually cultivate more compassion. We can actually cultivate more loving kindness. All of those, it's like we're training the heart's intelligence. We're practicing it and abiding there, learning to take refuge there. And I think it's an incredible spiritual gift that we're all, you know, we all have access to. Mm. So before we come to a close, is there any question I should have asked that I didn't, that is really pertinent to our discussion? One encouragement I would make for people mm-hmm. who want to do this kind of work is to find a community of people who are practicing this and have a place where you can go, friendships you can touch in, where you, where you, you get to try these things out. You can say, hey, I'm, I'm having a tough conversation. Will you role play this with me? I just can't. What am I not seeing here? Having a community is so important because like it's hard out there sometimes to have these hard conversations, but if you've got people to practice with and people to seek inspiration from when you're feeling despondent, that's everything. And, and it's very encouraging. Yes. And finally, Kim, you get to close us out your way with that one thing you'd like to leave us with. I think this work and what we're, we're really seeking to convey in the book is that this is about creating more range. 
It's about creating more freedom in our conversations, about noticing where we get stuck into defaults, repetitive emotional patterns, ways of seeing, ways of arguing or avoiding. It's about kind of breaking loose of some of that. And when we can do that, when we have different moves, capacities, like abilities to be, you know, patient, curious, you know, even thought provoking, all of that is going to help our sense of freedom and enjoyment in our relationships. Cause then we can really explore those differences together in a way which is energy giving and creative and helps us develop what we want to create going forward. And, you know, for those of us who have zones of influence, leaders and, you know, people who know, who know that they, the way that they are impacts many others, then refining ourselves first is where we, where we have to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been, I've been blessed by this conversation. It's a timely and important conversation for the times that we're in. I'm so grateful that I brought you on the show. And thanks again for, for your wisdom. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If people want to connect with you, Kim, where can they go and maybe uh, you know learn more about you? So just first spot would be my website, where then you can connect in with other things, but www.kimberlylow.com. My social media, I use the LinkedIn, the Instagram, the Facebooks. I'm on uh, as The Kim Low. Or from my website, you can find the links there. It's Kimberly Low on LinkedIn. And I just, I'm very passionate about growing the field. So I particularly welcome people to reach out to me who have an interest in refining these skills so that they can work with others more effectively. That's Kimberly Low, L-O-H. And I'll be sure to have that, that information in my show notes on my website. And I want to thank everybody for joining the conversation. And if you'd like to comment on this episode, you can do that with hashtag love in action podcast. And as I mentioned, look for my show notes as well on my website, marcelschwantes.com. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Doing so will help more people to find the podcast so we can keep spreading the love in action movement. Until next time, don't forget... The future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and be convinced.